Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. start, but I'll do this. People get uncomfortable, as I've said oftentimes when you don't read the scripture, and so I don't want anybody to get uncomfortable right away and get sweaty palms or things of that nature. We're continuing uh, with a series that we've been in uh, that is authored by Brother George Akers from Sanford, North Carolina, uh, about uh, basic training for life, and we are continuing with that today. That's going through some of the elementary things, uh, doctrines of the word of the Lord, Amen, which are vital to go back to once in a while uh, to touch on them. Number one, because we all need a refresher from time to time. Number two, because everybody's not been in church for 50 years. All right? And so it's good to uh, hit on these things from time to time. Amen, to refresh them in our minds. Acts chapter number one, and I'll, I'll just go on and read verses uh, one and two here today, and I'll allow you to be seated and we'll pray. Amen. We're going to talk about uh, the last... We kind of refresh. We've talked about repentance. We've talked about uh, water baptism. And today we're going to talk about spirit baptism. All right? Amen. Acts 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, the former treaties, which is just a fancy way of saying study, or the former study, or essay, if you will, have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Amen. I want to go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to touch our minds and hearts afresh. Amen. Grant us understanding. Father, I come to you today. Lord, we're grateful, Lord, for another, Lord, time and opportunity to be in your house. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us. Lord Jesus, God, through the teaching of your word today, God, that we would, Lord, have understanding. God, perhaps this would fall upon good ground, Lord, someone that are hungry or thirsty after righteousness, that they would be, Lord Jesus, filled today. I pray, O oh Lord, today that we'd see the essentiality, the necessity, God, of these doctrines, of these things, Lord, to take place in our very own lives. Lord, and we'll thank you, Lord, for what you accomplish and do in this place. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. Look at your neighbor. Tell him I'm glad to have you here this morning. Amen. Glad to have you here this morning. We have touched on this before in some of the previous lessons, and that is Acts the book of Acts and the book of Luke were both written by the physician Luke. And as a result of that, you see some, uh, you know, people have certain uh, nuances about them. And so you see that uh, with the author or the writer Luke here. And whenever he states these first few words here, if I may read it just one more time, whenever he speaks of the former treaty or the former uh, essay or study, he's speaking of the book of Luke that he had already addressed Theopolis with. And he tells him that his former treaty, the gospel of Luke, uh, all in that, all that Jesus begun both to do and to teach, the gospel of Luke highlighted the life of Christ here upon the earth, what he did, what he taught, whether it was along the seashore or on a mountain or under the shade of a tree, however it was, uh, the teaching circumstances that the Lord had, the gospel of Luke was what the Lord did, his miracles and the signs and wonders, breaking the bread is what the Lord did and what, what he had also, what he had taught. And what he, it covers his lifetime uh, up until the time that Christ ascended up into heaven. After his resurrection, uh, then he was seen, what is it, 40 days, the Bible says, after his passion, and then he resurrected. And so it covers all of that time frame of the doings and the teachings of the Lord until his resurrection. But then the words in verse number 2 describe after that, after that, he threw it, it explains now what really the book of Acts is going to cover, uh, where the gospel covers the life of Christ until his ascension. After that, it's going to explain what Christ did or the spirit of Christ, we might say a little more particularly, what the spirit of Christ did by the Holy Ghost, that spirit of Christ, uh, through those who had received the spirit of the Lord. Because just because Jesus went away in bodily form, he didn't quit working. 
Uh, he didn't quit doing. He didn't quit functioning, but he was functioning through those people uh, that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. He continued to do and continued uh, to give teachings and commandments through them because they, on that day, were empowered by the Spirit of the Lord or empowered by the Holy Ghost. So there was a continuation of the ministry of Christ through them. And so likewise today, there is still yet a continuation of the Lord Jesus Christ through His church and those that have been born again of the water and of the Spirit. So thank God for His Holy Ghost that is still present and prevalent upon the world today that is still teaching, still performing, and still doing. Now, the, the, problem, the problematic, and might I say even disservice, is this. There's many people that believe the Holy Ghost was a thing for that segment of time that hour and that it came and it's gone and it's said and done that we're living in a time frame where no one can anymore experience this quote-unquote holy ghost or spirit of god living inside of them and some believe that others believe that this holy ghost is like an option on a car you take it or leave it you know if you 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 want cruise control that's fine but if you don't that's fine that it's just an option that is upon a, a car But the Bible, Jesus was so adamant about this spirit, so adamant about this Holy Ghost, that before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples and he even commanded them. He says, do not depart, do not leave Jerusalem. I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to tarry there until you are endued with power from on high, which he was speaking of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he says, you go there, but you stay there until you get the Holy Ghost. So it was important enough for Christ to tell them, don't do any departing from Jerusalem until you're endued with that Spirit. Wait, he even says, tarry for the promise of the Father, which is all talking about the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost which would come upon them. The Bible says in Acts 1, verses 4 through 5, if I can just use the scripture where he said this, and there's a lot of scripture this morning, isn't there, Brother Zach? Amen. Amen. He helped me out greatly today. You need to uh, sometimes shake his hand and pat his back uh, for helping us at times. Amen. The Bible says, and being assembled together with them, here is the Lord now, commanded them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Verse 5, for John, that's John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days thence. So here's Jesus commanded his disciples, go to Jerusalem, stay there, tarry there until you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, if that doesn't in a certain mode underscore the importance the importance of this, even for his disciples, that it wasn't an option on a car for them, but boys, you stay around. If you don't get it, by the time nightfall comes, stay. Amen. Until you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So I believe the Holy Ghost, and we'll see through other various scriptures, that it is a must. If I can say this morning, the church age is the Holy Ghost dispensation age. The church age is the pouring out of the Spirit upon the people, amen, so that whenever this life comes to an end, amen, and the rapture takes place, that there will be something to quicken our mortal bodies. Now, I understand during the Old Testament, they lived during a different time and a different age. But he has come now in the form of a child, grew up some 30 some odd years, died for the purpose then of walking among us in those three and a half years, died and went away. He said, I go away so that I can send a comforter. Amen. Amen. So we would have that spirit of Christ inside of us. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, now going down to verse number 8, and I have several scriptures going to read today. If you're lovers of the Bible, uh, you're going to love this. If you're not, hopefully you'll become a lover of the Bible before it's all said and done. Acts 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power. This is what's, what's going to happen. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, everybody say this same Jesus, 
This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then return they, look what they did. They're following the instruction of this teacher of Jesus Christ. They returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. He told us to go to Jerusalem. Honey, we're not, we're, that's what we're doing. We're being obedient. We're going to go to Jerusalem. And when they were come in, they, were, they went to an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphys and Simon the Zealots and Judas the brother of James. These all, everybody say, continued, continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brethren. So he said, Terry in Jerusalem, they do just that. After he ascended into heaven, they went to Jerusalem. They stayed there. It goes to show, though, that if an hour went by, they stayed until the Spirit came. The Bible says they continued. They continued. As a matter of fact, it's quite possible that they continued somewhere between seven or ten days in the upper room. Because after Passover, 50 days, then came Pentecost. Well, he was alive after his passion for 40 days. He was 40 days after his resurrection, for that matter, upon the earth. If you count three days that he was in the earth, you might say, or doing his business into the lower parts of the earth, hell, that's 43 days. So the Holy Ghost came on Pentecost, which was 50 days past. You take 43 from 50, you got seven days. Some people don't account for the three days in the grave, but anyway, seven to ten days that there you are in a prayer meeting. Now, We've seen people, there, listen, and, and we, we've said this before, but Terry, you don't have to tarry for the Holy Ghost now. It's here. It's a gift. Amen. Uh, they did their seven-day tarrying. No one got to tarry seven days any longer. Good news. I'm spreading the gospel this morning, the good news. You don't have to do that anymore. Amen. That was its first approach, its first coming. But they stayed there until it came. They again underscoring the importance of that and, and the result of what went on and I think this is important the result of that seven day prayer meeting is recorded in Acts chapter number 2 whenever they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, and as a side note listen to me there is no thing such as a prayer the only way a prayer is in vain is if you pray amiss and that's not praying according to his will but the will of the Father for them was that they would receive the Holy Ghost, so their prayer for the Holy Ghost was not in vain. And we see then as a result of it, they were recipients of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now look again where the Bible speaks about Jesus' ascension. It's also recorded in Luke 24 and verse 49. The Bible says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Here it is again. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem, everybody say, until. There it is until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as, as, as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned where? To Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. And so the book of Luke and also now the book of Acts both begin or speak to us with Jesus commanding his disciples to go to Jerusalem to wait for the Spirit of the Lord, to wait for the Holy Ghost. Go and wait for the Holy Ghost. So again, this underscores to me the essentiality, amen, for this, for us, for them. And whenever we consider what Jesus said, and I... I and I don't take away from the fact when a disciple speaks because the Bible says that they are basically speaking of what was spoken to them. They are eyewitnesses. Uh, they are first eyewitnesses of the glory and the, the teachings of the Lord. But it perks my attention whenever Jesus particularly is saying something that's not second, third, or whatever uh, handed information, but it's from the Lord. Whenever Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus that came to him by night in John 3 and verse 5, he says to him, he says, Verily, verily, if you'll see there, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, that spirit baptism, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye, everybody say must, must be 
born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, I, I think we are wrong if we're going to interpret Scripture that this was just for Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water of the Spirit. No, because Christ, although he's speaking to Nicodemus, still spoke in general terms, he said, except a man. Amen. And he's not just talking about the male gender, although sometimes we probably need it more than the ladies, but nevertheless, I didn't get an amen out of the ladies on that one. It's because they were laughing. That's why, man, I've seen it from up here. Amen. But he said, except a man, which is just a general statement for humanity, except humanity be born of the water and of the Spirit. And they didn't specify it just for their culture, just for their time. No. He's talking about humanity in general. Except he be born again of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Ye must, must be born again. And so as it was for Nicodemus's day, so it is for my day, I must be born again again it is a must it is essential it's necessary it is not like an option on the car amen if you look at acts 1 and verse number 4 at this particular point in the scripture jesus has been crucified he has been buried he has resurrected from the grave and there's an assembly of the disciples that are together and he's telling them something very important in acts 1 verse number 4 and I, uh, I don't know if i've submitted this one to you brother zach i know we got a lot of scripture the bible says being assembled together with them commanded them and, and we've looked at this already that they should not depart from jerusalem but wait on the promise of the father which saith he ye have heard of me all right now the promise of the father in case someone's going to get hung up on the promise of the father what the promise of the father is jesus qualifies what the promise of the father is then in the very next verse acts 1 5 for john truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days hence the promise of the father was the baptism of the holy ghost amen the holy ghost someone say the holy ghost the Bible says in Titus 3 and 5, I know you got that one, Paul is saying this. He said, not by works of righteousness which ye have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I alluded to this earlier of Romans eight eleven. but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you now there's something I've said for many many years this quickening of the mortal bodies that's just not and although it applies to that but that's just not a quickening for rapture day which I believe it is that's a quickening that can take place in your everyday life because there's times in my everyday life, services sometimes, something happens. I feel a quickening of that spirit inside of me. You know what I'm talking about. I'd be standing with my hands raised and all of a sudden, man, it's just like something just ran down both my hands. What is that? It's a quickening of my mortal body. I can be, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not confined to location. I can be at home. Sister Nadine, in just praying, just, just in my mind sometimes praying. And whenever I begin to think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, son, sometimes there's just a, in my, in my, in my home, a quickening of the spirit. But more importantly, I'm thankful for that, but more importantly, I'm hopeful someday that if I'm in the grave or if I'm on the earth, when the rapture happens, there'll be a quickening the same spirit that quickened the body of Jesus and resurrected it will quicken my body whether in the earth or on top of the earth to get on up out of here. It is a quickening spirit. Someone say amen. So I, I have that. It's a quickening spirit. Hallelujah. And it's, it's, it's really in the age that I'm living in, in the church age, for the church, for the church, it is the only guaranteed that we have for eternal life for the church age amen for us living during this this segment of time 
The Bible says in John 14 and verse number 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's telling them that I'm leaving. He's telling them, I'm going to leave you all. I'm going to go away. All right? You guys are not going to see me in this human form. You're not going to see me in this human form any longer. And he's telling them, greater works though than what I did, you all are going to be able to even to do. Amen. Greater things than these. Not only because they've seen some great things, but he told them one place, he said, greater, you're great, you, you've seen some great things, but even greater than that, you're going to do and you're going to see even greater things than what you've already experienced. And he tells him in verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter, counselor, if you will, helper, friend, put in there, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus is telling them, I'm leaving but you're not going to be left alone. I'm going away, all right? I can't take you right now with me, amen? But I'm not going to leave you as an orphan either, all right? He tells them the comforter, that counselor, that helper, that friend is going to dwell in them, which is quite different than the ministry of Christ as he walked upon the earth or up to this time. Because all along from the Old Testament, even the New Testament, the best that they could get was him walking with them. But now Jesus is telling them of an, a, a dynamic change. Not only will it be with you, but it will be the possibility of it being in you. Amen. And so Jesus identifies what he's going to send as their comforter, their counselor, their friend dwelling inside of them. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, Jesus, you say you're going away, and you say then you send another comforter, helper, friend, and you say you're leaving, but you're saying you're coming. Now, which is it, Lord? He was going as in his physical presence, his physical body. He was going. He was going to be absent in the physical realm, but he was coming to them in the spirit form. Amen as the Holy Ghost to be Christ in them that the, the, the Apostle Paul wrote of the hope of glory. So that's how he could say, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending the comforter and I will come to you. Amen. Because I'm leaving you in bodily form, but I'm coming back in spirit form to indwell your bodies. Can someone say amen? amen. The Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Whenever Paul, the apostle, was writing, he was writing a letter uh, to Romans. The Romans was a church, the church at Rome. They were a group of saints, a group of people uh, that received this gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says in Romans 8 and verse number 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. He says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That spirit of adoption it's speaking of is the Holy Ghost. We receive the spirit of adoption. And the great thing about the Lord is this. We get adopted sometimes into the family of the Lord. And whenever you talk about adoption, whenever that takes place, amen, you, uh, the parent chooses the child. God loves us enough, amen, that he chose you. Chose you. You're saying me, Brother McGee, yeah. But do you realize where I've been and what I've done? He chose you. He chose you. And you know what he does? And what happens to you normally through adoption? They choose the child. 
and then the family name is put on the child? Uh-huh. The family name's put on the... Uh, their, their name was Marcia, Marcia, whatever, Marcia Bell, and she's being adopted by the, the Ho-Hall family. She becomes Marcia Ho-Hall. Amen. Because she was chosen by that family and the family name is put on her. Hallelujah. God chose us. God chose us. The spirit of adoption came upon us and we're able to call him father now because of that. And he put his name on us through water baptism. Amen. We become a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. He goes on to say in verse 16, he said, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed from in us. Receive that spirit of adoption, the Holy Ghost, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we call him Daddy. Hallelujah. Now, whenever you receive the spirit of adoption, your relationship concerning him changed. We can call him now Father. Paul describes that Holy Ghost in Ephesians as well. He speaks of it as a promise. I think we looked at this a little bit Wednesday night. We looked at it way back when we studied the book of Ephesians. But Ephesians 1.13, the Bible speaks about uh, that last phrase there, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians talking a lot about the church, mostly about the church. He said, tells them ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest Verse 14 says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption, until the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, you, you, anybody that's done any type of big transactions in life understand what earnest money is about. Amen. The earnest is nothing more but a part of the total thing itself. It's the deposit that guarantees, if you will, what you're getting. <laughs> uh, for, uh, for this scripture, it's the deposit that guarantees the inheritance. It's a pledge from God. He says, I give you, it's the earnest, the earnest of your, the Holy Ghost that you receive is the earnest of your inheritance. Whenever you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive a part of the whole that will come once you're raptured to heavenly bliss. There is an inheritance of streets of gold, gates of pearl, a city with 12 foundations. Amen. All of these things, he says, but I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost while you're living on the earth. That's your earnest. That's part and parcel of what is to come. Folks, I don't know what that does to you, but I think pretty highly of this Holy Ghost. I think pretty highly of this spirit that I feel. And for the Lord to tell me that's the earnest, that's part and parcel of what's going to come whenever you're translated from here to there, well, honey, I'm not going to jump ship. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not waiting for anything better because the part and parcel of what I got for what's to come when I'm raptured, I can't wait till I get it all. Hallelujah. It's just the tip of the iceberg, folks. Just the tip of the iceberg. Amen saved by the Holy Ghost but our full redemption will take place when we're no longer bound in these bodies no longer upon this full salvation happens I might say whenever we're no longer on this earth and we no longer have the things that we have to contend with here upon the earth the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 9 but as it is written I hath not seen nor ear nor ear her neither have entered into the heart of man the things I like this which God hath prepared for them that love him but God no no eye we, we haven't seen it we've not we, we, the most we've heard of it is whatever scripture is described to us it says but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit search of all things yea the deep things of all he's given us the earnest that part and parcel that sometimes whenever we get in the spirit of the Lord, even in a church service sometimes, you've heard some people say, I tell you what, I don't know if I can stand anymore. It feels like we're having, I've heard the terminology, it feels like there's a little bit of heaven here on earth. Yeah. Rightfully so. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. But when you get in the spirit, honey, you're getting a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. When you get in the spirit, you're feeling just a little bit of what heaven is going to feel like. He's revealed it to us by his 
spirit by his spirit. Amen. It's that Holy Ghost inside of you. It's searching out the deep things of God as the scripture, amen, speaks of it. And so this Holy Ghost is vitally important and it's still yet very vitally important for us today. Amen. It's vitally important for us today. It's so important that before the church age, before Pentecost, that the prophets of the Old Testament was prophesying of the day it would come. Amen. They, in their dispensation, was already talking about the day of another dispensation when the Spirit would come. The Bible says in Joel 2, verse 28, Joel prophesying of a day that this would all just come about and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also upon thy servants, upon thy handmaidens in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And so whenever Peter, on the day of Pentecost, they were charging those that had received the spirit of the Lord as they were drunk men, he said, they are not drunk as ye suppose. And he then goes on to say, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joe, in the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Joel, before his day, before the day of the Holy Ghost ever came, was prophesying about the day when it would come. And the, the Holy Ghost is so important that Jesus left us so it would come. He says, I got to go away. Because if I don't go, it can't come it was so important that he says I got to leave you in bodily form in order for it to come in spiritual form it can't come unless I leave so I'm going to leave so it can come now listen folks anything that's powerful enough to make the Lord leave this earth just so that we can receive it it must be pretty important and for that matter it's something that I want it's something that I desire. John 16 and verse 7. Amen. Thank you, Brother Zach, for rolling with me here this morning. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you, he says. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, which we know is the Holy Ghost, and we'll see that even a little later, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto Well, what could be any more important? What could be any more important than the physical presence of Jesus? It's expedient. It's an advantage, if you will, for us if he left the earth. The Message Bible says it like this. It's better for you that I leave. The New Living Translation says it's actually best for you that I go away. The New International Version says it is for your good that I am going away. <laughs> what Jesus was saying, he said, listen here. The comforter, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, said it's better for you to have that Holy Ghost in a spiritual form than to have me in physical form walking on the earth. Because me in physical form on the earth, the best you can get is me being with you. But if I depart and it comes, you'll get it being in you. Someone say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so there, there, there's again a translation, if you will, of relationship. Now, he's more than just with me, but he is in me. The Holy Ghost was so important to Jesus that Jesus prayed for it to be given. Amen. John 14, 16, the Bible says, Jesus is saying this, I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter that, ye may that he may abide with you forever. This is so important. Christ is praying that it would be given to us. Now this is important. <laughs> this is vitally important. He wants me to have it so much he's praying that I get it. I tell you what, I do the same sometimes when nobody's around. I pray that everybody would just get the epidemic of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I pray people that so-called seekers would be receivers. Amen. People that have been without it for years but wanted, will get it. Amen. Pray that they'll get the Holy Ghost. Because look, folks, there's only a few recorded prayers throughout the Bible that we have of Jesus. 
There's only a few recorded prayers that we actually have of Jesus that we have word for word, few, 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 few prayers. So this must be very significant that it even allowed us to know what the content of the prayer was because we don't have much knowledge. We hear oftentimes he prayed on a mountain or he prayed in the wilderness, but we don't know what he prayed about. Very few times do we learn what he prayed about, but this was important enough, significant enough, it told us the content. He was praying that they would get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Then he told Peter, he said, I, I pray that you'd be converted. Pray that your faith fail not, that when you're converted, he said, you'll strengthen the brethren. Amen. He's praying for our, amen, receiving of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you'll go to John 7, verse 37. Something that's coupled with the Holy Ghost, and again, we understand or, or should Belief is important. Faith in God is important. Belief is important. You must have those uh, in order to go to the steps of water baptism and go to the steps of spirit baptism. Amen. But even beyond belief and faith and water baptism, he has something else for us, and that is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That whenever we believe and believe God at his word, that he said that if we would repent and if we would be baptized, we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we have belief with that, then that belief will empower us and we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in John seven thirty seven, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's kind of explaining the experience in terms people could understand. Verse 39, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that, everybody say believe, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was not yet glorified. So it's important, this is important, that if you believe the Lord to, to hold true to his promises, this is another promise that can be yours. All right? Uh, we, we believe him for healing because he said uh, by his stripes we are healed. We believe him for healing, and so we receive healing, and so on and so forth. So if you, you believe this promise, just like there are other promises that are divulged in Scripture, then this likewise should be something that you should receive. The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, sorry for, no, I'm not. Mark 15, Mark 16, 15, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Or 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, everybody say signs, shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover these signs shall follow them that believe they shall speak with new tongues the bible tells us in acts 238 then peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and everybody say ye shall now he didn't use the terminology you might you maybe perhaps perchance if the planets are in just a straight line you know no 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 he says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we see that taking place time and time again. Can I read through several scriptures? Everybody okay? You're doing good. Excellent. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 10, verses 45 and 46, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts 2 verses 1 through 4 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as far and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, number one, I gotta, I gotta talk about this just, just, just real quickly. You know, some people get their idea, you gotta be standing to receive the Holy Ghost. Or you got to have one leg up. Or, you know, you, know, you, get, you hear all kinds of stuff. You stay around uh, long enough, folks, what you got to do. 
Amen. You just got to be a recipient. Amen. You can be sitting down, laying on the floor receiving the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter. We talk about the day of Pentecost so much. The Bible says right there in verse 2 that they were sitting. And the 120 in the upper room got the Holy Ghost. They were all sitting. So it doesn't matter if you're standing, laying down, up on a headstand for our crying out loud. If that's the way it's going to happen, that's the way it's going to happen. You just got to be a vessel that's willing to receive. Amen. Amen. Because I've heard people who want to, you know, they want to just kind of declare and, and emphasize what the posture should be. Well, let the posture be in a receiving posture. And if that's you sitting down, standing up, lying down, whatever. It doesn't matter. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Acts 19, verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, uh, the Ephesian believers, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Acts 8, amen, verses 14 through 17. Philip going to see uh, the, the Ethiopian eunuch here, and also the Samaritans is in the same chapter. And when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, he's talking about the Samaria believers, had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Well, what? Look, they're following the they're following uh, uh, the example of Christ. Their their Savior, their Teacher prayed that we might receive the Holy Ghost. And here's His disciples, Peter and John. What are they doing? They're praying that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And so they prayed for them. The Bible says that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet He was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then laid their hands. They laid their hands on them, and they received. The Holy Ghost. Someone say amen. So just a few scriptures right there. Receiving the Holy Ghost is absolutely a New Testament standard for all who do believe in receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's evidence. Jesus lays out the foundation of the evidence of the Holy Ghost. What is the evidence of the Holy Ghost? John 3, whenever he's speaking to Nicodemus again, John 3 and verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You go to verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, or where it desires, and thou hearest the sound thereof, the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. Look now, so is, everybody say, everyone. Everyone. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Everyone is a very important word here for anybody that's apostolic Pentecostal, anybody that believes the Bible. Let me just put it like that. We're just, you're going to shed apostolic Pentecostal. Anybody that believes the Bible. Because if someone's told you, yes, I, I got the Spirit. I received the Holy Spirit. If that's the case, everyone is like the wind that blows. And if that's the case, you hear the sound thereof so you receive the Holy Spirit well everyone has some type of sound accompanied with receiving the Holy Spirit Jesus said when you have the born again experience you'll hear a sound you might not even understand the sound don't know where it come from or where it went but it's evidence it's key to those who received the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 2, 4, what did it say? It said, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We look at this a thousand times. I'll look at that thousand one. The Holy Ghost, that speaking in other tongues, the Spirit that they just received, the Spirit of God, the Comfort, the promise of the Father, all the different terminology, the spirit that they just received, enabled, was given the utterance of that speaking in tongues. Wasn't that individual per se? Yes, using their mouth and use their lips, but that spirit that they just received in their life gave the utterance, gave the verbiage, gave the oratory of the speaking in other tongues. Amen. Something began to happen. It was a sign. Even on the day of Pentecost, they said, suddenly a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Christ told Nicodemus, he says, it's as the wind. It bloweth where it listeth. 
but thou hearest the sound. They said, man, suddenly a, a rushing mighty wind filled. And before the day was over, there was a sound accompanying it. Amen. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. <clears throat> Whenever we look at this, begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they, they, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and something began to happen. If you'll notice in the verses that I read to you in Acts, the different ones, for instance, Acts chapter number 8, if we go back to verse number 16, the Bible says, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, none of them received the Holy Ghost, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But we see this people in this passage that these people believed. They believed what Philip was preaching. They believed what things were said about the kingdom of God, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I understand there is the terminology today, just believe, all right? Just believe in Jesus and you automatically receive the Spirit or the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, all right? But the, these people had believed. They had been baptized, all right? But the Scripture says that the Holy Ghost was not fallen upon none of them as of yet. So they were baptized in Jesus' name. They still didn't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which points to me that you can believe and you can have been baptized in Jesus' name and not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All right? Because again, everyone that is born of the Spirit will be as the wind. So if I believe in the Lord and I'm baptized in His name, I receive the Holy Ghost. No. Everyone. Back to the everyone. There will be a sound that is accompanying it. And the Bible says in verse 17, and then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Well, Pastor McGee, they don't say anything about them speaking in tongues in this particular verse. Particular scripture said they received the Holy Ghost. I think we have enough scriptures to validate that whenever a person receives the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues, although it's not mentioned here. Let's consider this. There is standing by in that, that category of people that day Simon, the Bible says, the sorcerer. He's a person that bewitched the people with his sorceries. He was there whenever these people received the Holy Ghost. Read Acts 8. He was there whenever uh, they received the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says in Acts 8, 18, and when Simon saw, listen now, that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now here's the question. How in the world would have Simon known that those guys got the Holy Ghost? Hmm? How, how in the world would he want to purchase this thing that so whoever he laid hands on, they get it too? Why? If, if all it is was belief and it happened and there was nothing expressed, there was nothing that took place, how in the world did Simon know? And I guarantee it's not because cause his sorceries were false. It's not because he's a mind reader and he just felt something. No, 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 no. It's because something happened. As it happened throughout the different scriptures of the word of God, everyone is as the wind. Everyone there is coming a sound. And so Simon the sorcerer must have seen something, heard something, some kind of physical manifestation that they had gotten the Holy Ghost and therefore as a result of it wants to purchase the power that whoever he lays hands on, this will take place as well. In Acts chapter number 10, with, with, with the, the Bible speaks here with Peter and Cornelius. Um, the Bible says that he had some Jews that came with him, those of the circumcision. And they were just astounded that the Holy Ghost fell upon the Gentiles just like it had fell upon the Jews. They were astonished that they had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, how did those Jews know that those Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost? The Bible tells us in verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God that's how those Jews knew that those Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost amen they heard them speak with tongues and someone say amen, amen. everybody doing okay we're going on there's no school this afternoon Hallelujah. you can use that on me on Wednesday nights bless God you ain't going to use that on Sunday afternoon Again, in Acts 19, whenever he laid their hands upon the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so we have these accounts of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, in Acts 2, they were describing as some, that men they're drunk, but they're not drunk as you suppose. They're describing the receiving the Holy Ghost almost as, as a drunkenness, you know. Uh, the Bible even speaks about in the, the epistles, 
about drink except being intoxicated basically with the spirit. Amen. Uh, and I believe there should be some type of likeness that's there. Uh, if you've ever been around a drunk person, sometimes they stumble. Their ability to walk is thrown off. Well, sometimes we're intoxicated on the spirit and that happens in a sense for us. Sometimes you can't really understand what the drunk person says. They're not making any sense. Well, whenever you speak in other tongues, unless there's someone that speaks that particular language, I didn't, they're no one going to understand you either. And that happens in Acts 2. They couldn't believe that some of these people from different nations were speaking in their language. How in the world could this happen? Uh, the drunk person, he don't care what anybody thinks. And I wish to God we'd emulate that a little bit more. Being drunk in the spirit, not worrying about any, what anybody thinks. It wouldn't even bother me. You know, the drunk, he doesn't sometimes remember how he got home. It wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit if you people be carried out of here and wake up Monday morning saying, I wonder how I got home. In Acts 10, it speaks of them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. Amen. And it speaks about them prophesying. All this biblical accounts of speaking in tongues whenever you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When we talk about terms for the Holy Ghost, sometimes you can get lost in terminology in the Bible. You know, it might be called, like, for instance, the promise of the Father. Well, that, it's talking about the Holy Ghost. You can get lost in terminology sometimes. So it's been spoken of the promise of the Father. In John 7, he talked about something that they could understand, rivers of living water. You know, bursting forth, if you will, uh, terms that they could understand. A gift, gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus even calls it in Luke eleven thirteen. He calls it a good gift because he speaks about how a natural father gives good gifts to his children. He says, how much more, you know, how much more that he would give you uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask of him in Luke eleven thirteen. And he says, so if your earthly father gives good gifts, he said, your heavenly father is going to give good gifts. Uh, John the Baptist said um, that Jesus in Matthew three eleven he says, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The Holy Ghost is spoken of as falling. We've read some scriptures this morning falling upon people. In Acts 8, this speaks about how they believed and they were baptized but had fallen on none of them. Peter, while Peter yet spoke the words in Acts 10 to Cornelius in the group, it fell on them. It's called a feeling, being filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts 2, 4, it speaks about them being filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have all this terminology that circles around. Because listen, folks, you, you can really lose some people that's never been exposed to the Bible to this just in our terminology. Biblical terminology. He's going to fill you. Well, what in the world does that mean to somebody that don't know anything about anything? Well, he's going to fill you. You know what I'm saying? He's going to fall on you. He's kind of looking around. I'm serious. I, it's normal maybe to people been around this for a while, but nobody that hasn't, and that can, you know, you kind of look at the other corner of your eye during service. You just never know when he might fall on somebody. I'm serious. I know, I know that seems hilarious, but, you know, it'd be like taking me or you into the realm of, of, of Brother Fred McGee's body shop and some of the terminology they throw around out there. We have a slice idea what they're talking about. They have their own language, their own jargon about things they talk about. Well, it'd just be the same thing. Bring somebody in here never, never heard or experienced any of this and talk about falling on them, filling them up. And so what is this, a gas station? You know what's going on? Well, I guess it could be, you know. Amen. Talk about it coming, you know, <laughs> poured out. Seriously. Amen. <laughs> but, but, but where the rubber meets the road, the Holy Ghost is also spoken as something that we receive. In Acts 8, 7, 8, 17, it speaks about they received the Holy Ghost. And so whenever Paul arrived at Ephesus, he asked the disciples there, have you received the Holy Ghost? since you believed. And so here's the thing, though, folks. Whenever you talk about the terminology receiving, receiving is a deliberate act on our part. Repentance. Repentance, you know, yes, we do repent to God, and that's something great. When we do that, we repent to the Lord, and, and, and uh, if we do that and we change order of life, he, he, he uh, sanctions that. And, and whenever we're baptized and you know, need the aid or help of someone to immerse us in water in the name of Jesus Christ. But whenever it comes to the Holy Ghost, yeah, he'll give it to us, but we got 
the deliberate act on our part is to receive it. And although it is a gift, you don't benefit from a gift until you receive. Put all the labels on your Christmas presents and put them under the tree and it's around the corner. I hope you started your shopping. But put them all, put them, all your labels on there and put it under the tree and it can have my name on it and Christmas can go and pass on by and there's still a present under the tree. It's a gift for Paul McGee. And it can remain there until the paper gets moth ate. It's a gift always ready, always for me, but because I never grabbed it, never unfolded the paper, never received it, it's still just a gift in transition. Amen. It's just a gift in transition. It's unclaimed. You know, they say, they say all across America in, in different places, there is a lot of unclaimed inheritances, unclaimed money, unclaimed property, people that have wheeled money and wheeled property to people all across America, but the beneficiary never has come to claim. That's what they say. Well, there's some Holy Ghost. There's some Holy Ghost around here that is just over in the corner as unclaimed material because it's for whosoever will, everyone that I'm speaking of today, if if you've not went by and did the package pickup, so to speak, you need to go by. Amen. So our responsibility is to receive it. Amen. In, in John 1, and I'm, I'm, I'm landing the plane. In John 1, verse 11, the Bible says, He came into His own, and His own received Him not. Speaking of Jesus. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power. To become the sons of God. What happened? Spirit of adoption. Huh? Abba Father. Sons of God. All right? Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. As many received him and believed on his name, he gave them power to become the sons of God. So if you can stand this morning, I'm telling you, if you've not yet received the Holy Ghost, open yourself up. And there, see, there's terminology right there. Why are you going to scalpel? Be obedient. Be obedient and receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Receive the Holy Ghost. It's a promise for you, your children, those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. Receive the Holy Ghost. And let me, let me admonish this this morning too. Say, Brother McGee, I'd really like to receive the Holy Ghost. I understand repentance. I understand that. I understand that I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And I want the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. You say, but I haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. Do what you know you should do. If you know and believe you should repent, go on and repent. If you've already repented, but you're in that place, you've not been baptized and you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, but I want the Holy Ghost, Brother Fred. Go on and do what you know you should do. Get baptized. Mm-hmm. Get baptized in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because once you repent and once you've been baptized in Jesus' name, there's only one other option. And that's receiving. That's receiving. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can happen, it can happen to you driving in your car. It can happen to you as you kneel down to your bed to pray at night. It can happen to you in pre-church prayer. It can happen to you during song service. It can happen to you when you're baptized in Jesus' name. People come up speaking in tongues out of the water. We have people speaking in tongues before they were ever baptized. They got in the water and started speaking in tongues. It can happen. It can happen. He's looking for a willing vessel. He's looking, you know, the, you know. Mm. In the Old Testament story with the lady with her dad and all she had was a pot of oil and he said, hey, go gather all the pots you want. And he says, we're going to pour out that oil into those vessels. And she poured and she poured. And as long as there was an empty vessel, the oil kept flowing and it kept filling up vessels. The Bible says the only time that it stopped was when there wasn't another empty vessel. Folks, this thing called the Holy Ghost wasn't just for the church in Acts 2 because there are still empty vessels today. There's still empty vessels today. And you can come and just be as bold to the Lord as you want. God, 
guilty. I've repented of my sins. I've repented of my past. I know that's under the blood. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. That's been washed away. I'm empty. He says, you're a good candidate to be filled. You're a good candidate to be filled. I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Somebody say, there's something about the Holy Ghost. There's just something about the Holy Ghost. What are you, what's going on with you up there, Brother McGee? I tell you what, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in me and I feel a little quickening of my mortal. Oh, yes. I feel a little quickening of the Holy Ghost in here. He'll make me up. He'll make me joyful when my day is down. He'll get a praise in my lips when everything around me is in turmoil. I'm here to tell you there's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. Let's raise our hands right now to the Lord as they prepare a song. I'm telling you, His Spirit... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.